Let's find our place. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to James chapter number 5. James chapter number 5. What I need to do, we are going to continue what we started two weeks ago on the subject of suffering out of James chapter number 5. I printed off some extra outlines for those who forgot to bring yours back or if you were not here two weeks ago. Uh, I have got an outline for you, and if you need one of those, raise your hand real quick. We've got people in every every aisle that should be able to help you, all those, all right. If you forgot your outline or if you, you was not here two weeks ago, all right, raise it real high, and they'll run, they'll run and make sure you get one. This is going to be a great, great lesson tonight, uh, dealing with suffering, understanding suffering and what we can get from suffering. Uh, how many of y'all hate suffering as much as I do? Uh, I, I just soon not deal with it. I just soon not have to face it, but it's part of life. And, uh, and, and we can, even though we, we have to see a thorn, thank God there's a rose in the thorns. Amen. Uh, James chapter number five in verse number seven, verse number seven. Uh, uh, real quickly, raise your hand if you need one. I want to make sure everybody gets one that needs one in the back. In the back, Brother Buchanan or, or Brother Griggs, all the way to the back, back there. Raise your hand. There you go. All right. Now, does everybody have one? Say amen. Okay, here we go. Here we go. James chapter number 5 in verse number 7. James chapter number 5 in verse number 7. It says, be... Oh, help us, Lord. Why does he have to start out with that word? Amen. How many of y'all could use more of that? Amen. Be patient. Therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord, behold the husbandman, that's a farmer, behold the husbandman waited for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient establish it you think he's trying to tell us something establish your hearts for the coming of the lord draweth nigh grudge not one against another brethren lest ye be condemned behold the judge standeth before the door take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the lord for an example of suffering affliction and of patience Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And all God's people say it. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll help us tonight. Bless us tonight. Give us what we stand in need of. Lord, there's a whole lot of places everybody could be that's here. And, Lord, I, I pray that you will give us what we stand in need of. Lord, we all need more patience. We all need to practice patience. We all need to persevere in times of difficulty. And Lord, it's not easy. This is definitely one of them easy preaching but hard living. But God, there's so many great things that we're going to learn tonight that's going to help us and encourage us throughout this time of trials and throughout the times of temptations and uh, the frustrations of life that we feel and we experience. And, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, please speak through me. I'm just a vessel. Lord, I'm not even worthy to stand before this great congregation. But, Lord, I, I, I appreciate the ability and the opportunity and the privilege you've given me. 
And Lord, I pray that you'll bless every ear that they may hear and comprehend and understand what we have to say tonight. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Look at the first page of your notes, and let's do kind of a, 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 a rehearsing of what we, we studied two weeks ago. Uh, the whole point of the, the portion of Scripture we're studying in chapter number 5 is being patient in the midst of suffering, uh, learning patience through the suffering, uh, being God-like when, when things are not going great in our life. How many of y'all know what it feels like when things are not going great? Things are not going your way. Things are not going uh, the way you want it to go. Uh, we, we, we talked about several different things in the very beginning. And, and let's look at that. Number one, uh, when, we, when we look at suffering, uh, number one, suffering is... Come on, y'all going to have to get loud and help me, all right? Suffering is... It's just a part of life. It's just a part of life. If you are a better Christian, that doesn't mean you're going to be immune from suffering. It doesn't mean that. Uh, somebody said, well, if I could just act better, if I could just be better, if I could just live better, if I just act right, uh, guess what? That's, that's not going to make you immune to anything. Uh, uh, good people have flat tires. Say amen. Good people have their wash machine tear up. Good people get sick. Good people have car accidents. Good people have issues in life. It's a part of life. It's a part of life. Suffering is a part of life. Number two, if you are in it, Say it again. Yeah, uh, I know you didn't want to say that. Let me say it again. If you are in it, what does that mean? God's not going to allow something to come in our life that we don't need. The Bible says in that verse in, in 1 Peter 1, 6, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if, if need be. Listen, God's not going to let something come that's not going to be for our benefit. Number three, Jesus is bigger than my... Say amen right there. Number four, something, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight, by the way. Number four is what we're going to talk about tonight. Don't ever think that God will ever waste a tragedy. Don't ever think that God will ever waste a time of suffering in your life. Always remember this, no matter what you're going through, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing with, number four, something is being, something is being accomplished. Something is happening when you go through what you go through. Now, the first point, if you were not here last week, uh, in, 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 in James helping us and encouraging us and teaching us about suffering, he tells us to be patient. He tells us to learn patience. He tells us to practice patience. Why? Because when, uh, 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 when we do that, we see people get to see Jesus in us. It's, it's, a, it's a point that we have to, to, to illustrate. It's a point that God wants to... He, he said in, in uh, Romans chapter number 8, he said, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, to them that are called according to his purpose. What is his purpose? For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate, be conformed to the image of his son. Are y'all with me? Say amen. God's going to work all this stuff out for his good, our good, so we could display and, and put an image of his son to the community that's around us. Now, now, he gives us three different illustrations. He talks about the farmer first. He talks about the farmer and how the farmer is patient. He has to be patient with his seed. He has to be patient with the seasons of life. How many of y'all know we all go through seasons of life? Listen, he has to be patient in all those ways. Well, tonight, hopefully, we're going to get through with this. We're going to talk about the prophets, 
and we're going to talk about Job, the prophets and Job. Those are the three examples he gave us, the farmer, the prophets, and Job. Now, we took all the time up last time uh, with the, uh, uh, the farmer, so let's, let's talk about the prophets. When it comes to suffering, when it comes to difficulty, when it comes to hardships in our life and things that frustrate us and things that, if we just want to be honest, things that break us, things that hurt, things that are painful, things that are difficult. Let's look at the prophets. What can we learn? What can we learn uh, from the prophets to deal with suffering in our life? Uh, here it says in verse number, uh, uh, verse number 10, he says, Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example. Say that with me. For an example. In other words, we can look back at them and look what they did. Now, now here's, something, here's something we need to see. It says, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord. In other words, they were doing right. They were doing what they were supposed to do. They were doing what God was wanting them to do. They were doing right. So what does that teach us? First, write this down. Write this down. One thing that we can learn about suffering in the life of a Christian, sometimes, A, it's God's will. Sometimes we can learn that it's God's will. Now, why is that important to know? Why is that important to know? Because there's books being printed. There's sermons being preached. There's TV shows that will come on and tell you that if you have enough faith, you'll never suffer. You'll never be sick. They'll never have a problem. That is not biblical. Prosperity preachers are all over the, the Internet. They're all over the TV that's telling you the closer you get to God, the easier your life's going to be, the better your life's going to be, the more favored your life's going to be. They take Old Testament verses out of context, and they try to uh, present it and apply it to your life today and say, listen, if, if you have faith, you will be blessed. You will have favor. But the Bible teaches us that we are going to suffer as a Christian. We are going to suffer. We're going to face things. We're going to go through difficulties. We're going to have trials and tribulations. We're going to have things according to God's will. Are y'all with me? Say amen. It's God's will. It's God's will. One thing for sure, they were in God's will, but yet they suffered. They were preaching in the name of the Lord, yet they were persecuted. Now, Satan's going to tell the faithful Christian that his suffering is the result of sin and unfaithfulness, and yet his suffering might be well because of his faithfulness. In other words, you might be suffering not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right. Now, why is that important to know? How many of y'all are really tired of the devil sitting on your shoulder chirping in your ear? It's frustrating. His voice gets loud, but I do know this. The closer we get to God the louder the Lord's voice is. Amen? We can't ever, we can't ever think that, that, that and, and we're going to see this in the life of Job too because Job's friends automatically thought because everything Job was going through, he must have done something really bad for God to be this mad at him. Have you ever thought that God was mad at you? You see, sometimes, sometimes suffering is God's will. But in the midst of our suffering, there's a second thing we need to understand. By looking at the life of the prophets, we not only see God's will, but B, I want you to write this down. We see God's care. We see God's care. When you go back, and, and, and you can take most of any of the prophets in the Old Testament, but let's take Elijah, for example. Elijah, Elijah went to King Ahab. King Ahab was a wicked king. Uh, he was leading the people in, in idolatry. 
just a horrible, horrible guy, just a horrible, horrible king. Uh, and God calls Elijah to go to him. We don't know a whole lot about Elijah's past. We don't know a whole lot about uh, his history and that. All we know is God put his word in Elijah and told Elijah, go to the king and tell him, it's not going to rain. There is going to be a famine. There is going to be a difficult, difficult time. There's going to be a time of suffering like you haven't seen before. It's not going to rain till I say it's going to rain. But guess what? Guess what? Elijah has to live in the same place that Ahab does with no rain. So this judgment that's coming upon the nation of Israel, this judgment that's coming upon Ahab the king, it's going to affect Elijah too. But guess what? God says, I want you to go down to the brook and I'm going to command a raven to feed thee there. What's the point? How many of you have ever heard the phrase, wherever the will of God takes you, the grace of God will keep you. Everywhere he went, God cared for him. Everywhere he went, God took care of him. He was at the brook, and a raven would come. Listen, a raven would come in the morning and in the evening and bring him something to eat every single day. Isn't it amazing? In the midst of suffering, you can find the hand of God in your situation. You can find the hand of God that's coming. Uh, You can go through times of difficulty that people just can't even imagine and you're standing there and you have peace. You have a calmness in your heart and the world don't understand it. That's why the Bible says God will give you peace that passeth all man's understanding. They say, why can you stand here the way you are? How in the world are you doing what you're doing? And you can't explain it. You You can't give them any kind. All you can say is, all I know, I'm experiencing the grace of God. God's care. No matter what you're going through, God will be with you. We know that. We see that not only in in Elijah, but we see that in Jeremiah. Jeremiah was preaching the word of God. He was preaching an unpopular message. And by the way, if you stand for Christ today, your message is going to be very unpopular. Your your message is going to be very uh, politically incorrect. Say amen. But thank God we don't have to bow down. We don't have to back up. We can stand firm and stand right and just keep preaching the truth and keep living the truth and keep believing the truth. Why? No matter how hot it gets. You say they're going to throw you in a den of lions. That's all right. That's just a big old pillow to sleep on. Say amen. We're going to throw you in. But guess what? God brought him out. What about, what about the three Hebrew children? The three Hebrew children. Uh, we, we see, we see, I, I, I love this, and, and, and I, I got to wait to the third point because I really want to talk about that. But uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I love him, old boys, because uh, the king, he's upset. He's mad because they told him. Yeah, let me, let me, I, I, always, I always assume everybody knows what I'm talking about. Uh, there was a time, there was a time during the, the children of Israel's captivity that a group of uh, uh, Hebrew young men, uh, the, the, the foreign king, King Nebuchadnezzar, set up an image and said, at the time the music plays, everybody's going to bow down. And listen, you're going to bow down and you're going to worship my gods. Well, guess what? They played the music and everybody bowed down except them three. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all but them three. The king hears about it. <clears throat> he gets frustrated. He's aggravated. He's mad. But he's going to give him a second chance because that's just the kind of guy he is. Amen. Uh, so he comes to them and, and says, listen, 
I want you to bow down. I'm going to play this music again because I know you probably just didn't understand what I said the first time, but I'm going to give you a second chance. But if you don't bow down, I'm going to heat it even hotter than it ever was. And so, but it's, it's good because I'm going to give you another chance. And this is their response. This is great, man. This is their response. They said, O king, O king. Uh, uh, they said, our God, our God is able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. They make a bold statement. They make a stand of faith, a statement of faith. Listen, O king, before we tell you our decisions, you need to know something. The God that we serve, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that we believe in, the God that our faith is in, the God that we serve, he is able to deliver us. But if he don't, now it's when it's going to get touchy. Because we all want to stay right there. God is able and God will. But do we have the kind of faith to say, but if he chooses not to? I don't know about you, but to me, I want to keep back up here over He's able. And y'all need to quit looking at me so spiritual. I know who I'm talking to. But do we have the kind of patience and faith and strength to say, but if he don't, we still ain't bound down. If he chooses not to, we're still going to do right. If he chooses not to deliver us, if he chooses not to answer our prayer, we're still not bowing. We're still not bowing. Y'all with me? We know the story. We know the story. Listen, this brings us to the third point. God's plan. Write this down. God's plan. You see, sometimes suffering is a part of the will of God. How many of y'all believe that, that Daniel coming through that lion's den, that den of lions, was a part of the will of God? How many of y'all believe that the, the three Hebrew children going through the fiery furnace was a part of the will of God? That's right. Now watch this. God always has a plan. Now why do we need to know this? I, I got something cool that I want to share with you right here, but, but why is this important? Why is this important? Because many times, I don't know about you, but I get frustrated. Because I feel like I'm going through something. I feel like I'm going through something, and it's, and it's a waste. Why am I going through this? Why am I experiencing this? Why am I feeling this? Why am I suffering this? Man, I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm praying as hard as I know to pray. I'm studying the best I know how to study. I, 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 I'm doing everything I know to do to be right with the Lord, and I, I feel like, a, why am I going through all of this? God's got a plan. God has a purpose. He never, ever does anything without a plan. He never does anything without a purpose. Guess what? We can do something off the cuff. 
We can, we can do something. Now, my wife, she's kind of the planner. I can go get in my truck today, go put gas in it, and drive to California. Now, Tammy's got to check the tires. She's got to check the oil. She's got to check the, 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 the windshield wiper juice. She's got she's to make sure everything's fine. She, not me. Tonight, San Diego, here I come. Are y'all with me? How many of y'all are off-the-cuff people? How many of y'all are planners? Well, good news, guys. God always has a plan for your life. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're facing, even tragedies. God may not cause it, but he can plan for it. Anyway, watch. It's so good. Why is it, look at your notes, why is it that those who speak in the name of the Lord, in other words, those that are doing right, those that are doing the best they can, those that speak in the name of the Lord often must endure difficult trials. It is so that their lives might back up their messages. The impact of a faithful, godly life carries much power. Now, Here's what I want to talk about, this next sentence. Everybody read this with me real loud like you really believe the Bible, okay? Here's here's the next sentence. We need to remind ourselves that our, in times of, is a, is a, is a, to others around us. Now watch. You remember... You remember what I said a while ago about the three Hebrew children? All right, they're standing. Now watch. They're standing before everybody. They're standing before a wicked king. A wicked king. An ungodly king. And what do they do? They basically preach a sermon. What was the sermon? God is able. God is able. You are bowing down to a false God. You are bowing down to an anemic God. You are bowing down to a God who cannot hear. You are bowing down to a God who cannot see. You are bowing down to a God who is not able to do anything. But my God is able. My God can deliver us. My God can fix this situation. My God can change everything about this thing. God can. That's the sermon. It's a pretty good sermon too, isn't it? Did it change the king? I would have said amen. Just like you just did. It's a great sermon. I love love preaching about God. That he's able. Awesome sermon. But it didn't change the king. And and the king didn't see. But watch what happens. He takes them old boys and throws them in the, the fire. Boy, I'm getting God bumped right now. I can't help it. They're in the They're in the suffering. 
They're in the burning heat. They're in the fire. Now, we think the most important part of this deal is that God protected them. That the only thing that burnt up in their situation was the ropes that had them bound. God knows how to preach. A dead Baptist preacher could preach that and it'd be good. Are y'all with me? And I'd love to run across this stage saying God is able. Look what he did. He saved them from the fire. Bless God, the only thing that, that, that messed up and burned up was the devil's ropes that had them bound. Woo, God delivered again. But that's not the best part. Why? We're using him as an example. God said, go back and look when it comes to suffering. And when it comes to patience, we've got to learn something about suffering. Watch, watch, watch. I'm telling you, I had a fit when I saw this. The king goes and looks into the furnace. They say, how many did we throw in there? They said, three. He said, Y'all ain't going to believe this. I see. And the fourth one looks like the Son of God. Oh, no. Wait a minute. They done got through preaching a sermon. (laughs) Y'all know where I'm going now, don't you? They preached a sermon, and it was a good sermon. It was a truthful sermon. It was a great sermon, but it didn't change the king. And the king didn't see. But when they went through the fire, the king saw. And guess what? The king changed. Now watch. The people around you, they may not always listen to your sermon, but they're going to always watch your suffering. And you may not be able to reach those around you with your sermon. But when they see you go through hell on earth and come out the other side with patience and grace and experiencing mercy in the midst of your tragedy, they're going to see God in your suffering unlike your sermon. We could... Give an imitation. Whoo, I feel God. We had a missionary come when we were still in a little building. He was an older missionary. He was, he was, they should have been retired and playing on the golf course. 
and as he came and he shared his ministry and what they were doing, I found out that his daughter was a missionary. They were missionaries to Tibet. They were missionaries who had an orphanage. And they were up there, they were up there in Tibet and and and, and they were serving God. And and they were they were doing everything they could, but it was a struggle. It was a struggle because the people were so pessimistic and 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 and, and they are they're so steeped in in false cult worship and idolatry that that they really they really didn't hear their sermon. They would preach and preach and preach and teach and teach, but they couldn't get anywhere. They started an orphanage to try to help the kids, but the more they tried to preach the gospel, it seemed the less they would hear. And 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 one day, uh, this missionary couple, this young couple, they were flying out, and in, in the 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 plane hit a mountain. And killed them both. The missionary, her 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 father, who was already retired or should have been retired, they said, We're gonna just continue what they started. We can't let their efforts go to waste. We can't stop what they've done. And 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 so uh this this senior father and senior mother flew across the world over here to continue what the daughter started and her husband and and the Tibetan people couldn't understand it. They couldn't believe it. This doesn't make sense. You should hate us because they were here to reach us and they died. You You shouldn't care nothing for us. You shouldn't even want to be here. You shouldn't even want to have anything to do with this. And they begin to come and they begin to get saved and they begin to believe and they begin to trust because they just could not believe through all this great tragedy that somebody would still care and somebody would still love. And they couldn't believe the grace that they saw in this mother and father who just lost their whole life. And the the ministry exploded. You know why? They didn't hear there, but they saw God in the suffering. Preacher, what are you saying? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with tonight. I don't know what's got you frustrated, and I don't know where you're at. But I do know something about suffering. I do know something about pain, and I do know something about just being frustrated and being in a hole and feeling like you can't climb out and feeling like you can't see the sun and feeling like you just don't know what you're going to do and you feel like God has abandoned you. But I promise you this, God's got a purpose. say, well, preacher, I've done... They hadn't seen much grace in me. Give it time. Give it time. You see, we may not always be able to act like 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of us might be more stubborn like Peter was. Why don't we just get real tonight? I can't, I, honestly, I can't hardly relate to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But I can, I can relate to Peter. Smarting off, running my mouth when I should keep it shut. Y'all with me? You see, but Peter, the Bible says that, 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 that Satan desires to have thee, may sift you as wheat. Satan's after you. He's going to bite you. He's going to get you. That's true. But see, when it was all over and said and done, Peter was able to write, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he says a roaring. See, how did he know that? Because he had teeth marks in his behind. Take the prophets for an example. You might go through the fire. You might go through suffering. God's got a reason. God's got a purpose because I promise you this. People are watching you. Do you realize lost people, they can act happy when things are good? They're not going to see Jesus in us when everything's going great. Anybody can act like somebody then. Right? They're going to watch us. They're going to see how we respond. and They're going to see, you know, that's why, that's why we, we, don't need to, we don't need to get all wigged out on Facebook. We need to cut that out. Y'all with me? Lost people get on Facebook and they think Christians have lost their minds. I think some of them have. Listen, lost people get on Facebook and they think, man, these Christians, they talk about a God of grace, but they don't have much of it. Hello? I wonder what the rest of that crowd thought. Not just the king. What about the rest of their buddies that were Jews too? That bowed and shouldn't have. I'm not going to think too hard on them. I just, I just hope that if it was me, I'd be able to do what they did. I bet, I bet, well, I don't bet. I guarantee you this. <clears throat> the next time that took place, Shadrach, Meshach, and Benigo's buddies, they, rem they remember what God did for them right there. Y'all with me? The prophets. Remember the prophets, he said. Look what they did. Look how I took care of them. Look how I fed. Look how I fed Elijah at the brook. Look how when the brook dried up. Listen, when the brook dried up, he said, I want you to go to this widow's house. I said, Preacher, what's the point of that? If the brook dries up, God's already got a secondary plan. God's already ahead of us. He is the Alpha 
and the what? What's that mean? He's the beginning and the... That means he's already been in your tomorrow. Isn't that great? So be patient. Why should I be patient? Because he's there waiting on you. And he'll be in your tomorrow before you get there. Say amen. Let's look at Job. Let's look at Job. And by the way, by the way, the Bible says that he has given us the scriptures for our, our learning and, and our encouragement. And, and here's, a, here's, here's what we need to do. We, we said God's will, God's care, and God's plan. Say that with me. God's. Now, now, when we go through suffering, what would happen if we really started reading our Bible and really started studying our Bible and really started learning our Bible and getting to know how God's will and God's care and God's plan operated with the men of the Old Testament, the men of the New Testament? Uh, but why would that encourage us? Because God is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. If he did it for Daniel, he'll, he'll do it for David. If he did it for Elijah, he'll do it for Griggs. Y'all with me? Let's learn our Bibles. Why? Why? So we can, we can do what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. How well do you know the prophets? How well do you know Samuel? How well do you know Elijah? How well do you know Elisha? How well do you know Jeremiah? Do you know that they dropped him in a pit? They dropped him in a well. Do you know God delivered him? How well do you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? How well do you know? You say, why do we need to know them? Have you ever suffered? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Have you ever wondered why you're going through what you're going through? Take him for an example. All right, all right, all right. Run out of time. Here we go. I don't even have a clock. That's wonderful. Say amen. Great. All right. Look what he says in the next verse. Look what he says in the next verse. He says, he says, take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. He says, behold, we count them happy which endure. And that word means, really, you look at it, look it up, happy means blessed. Fortunate. Fortunate. Now think about that. Those people who are going through difficulty, those people who are going through affliction, we count them happy which endure. That means to hold under, to hold up. Ye have heard of the patience of Job. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very and of tender mercy. Let's talk about Job. <clears throat> A, write this down. Let's talk about Job's distress. Job's distress. <clears throat> the Bible says that the devil is an accuser of the brethren. His 
his expertise is bringing accusations about you before him. Did you see what Steve did this week? Did you hear what Greg said this week? Was you aware? Constantly, 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 an accuser of the brethren. An accuser of the brethren. Bringing things up, bringing things up, bringing things up. All right? He comes before the Lord. This is Job 1. This is Job 1. I'm going to just give you the brief outline version of what happened. What's he doing? I believe he's accusing. I believe he's accusing uh, 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 Old Testament people. And then God says, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Wouldn't it be cool to live the kind of life that the devil can't say nothing about you? God brings you up. Have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him? Have you considered my servant Job how he eschews evil? He shuns wickedness. He shuns evil. Have you, have you thought about, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him? Thank you, bud. Have you, have you thought about him? Now, now watch what the devil does. Watch what the devil does. He said, well, I tell you what, yeah, 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 he's, he's all what you just said. But let me tell you why he's that way. It's because of everything you do for him. You've blessed him incredibly because the Bible says he was the greatest man in the East. He was very wealthy. He was very favored. He was very blessed, but he was very righteous. The Bible says that he was in such a way he was in such a way that, that, that his, his children would gather together uh, on their birthdays, on the time to celebrate. And, and, and when they were celebrating, he would go and offer sacrifices for every single one of them just in case they cursed God. Just in case they messed up. Just in case they did wrong. I mean, he's so holy, he's being holy for other folks. Say amen. I mean, he's a good guy, an awesome guy. But the devil makes an accusation. Now watch this. This is the thing we got to get. It's all behind the scenes. Job has no idea this is going on. Job, he, he has no idea the conversation between Satan and God. And this is what happens. This is what happens. He says, I tell you what, I tell you what, you take away his stuff, you take away his possessions, you do all that, and he'll curse you to your face. He makes an accusation to God. He basically says this. This is basically the insinuation that the devil makes with God. You have to pay him to worship you. You're not worthy of worship. And God says, do what you want to do. Just don't touch him. And in one day, three different servants came to him. One came because of the oxen and the ashes. One came because of the sheep. And one came because of the camels. In other words, all of his assets were taken. The wealthiest man in the East was a pauper and bankrupt. In a moment of time, one servant came, said, this is all taken away. One servant came, this is all destroyed. The other servant came, when one was leaving, one was coming. One was leaving, one was coming. In a moment of time, he was bankrupt. In a moment of time. And then worst of all, servant came he said man I hate to tell you this 
I didn't want to be the one to have to tell you this. But all your children are dead. All of your children have died. And the Bible says he shaved his head. He rent his garments and put ashes on himself, which is a sign of grieving. He fell on his face before God and said, I came into this world naked, and naked shall I return. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then something else happened. What do you think now, devil? Well, I tell you what. I tell you what. I know I know he come through flying colors with that. I get that. I understand that. But I tell you what. Skin for skin. Man will give anything for his life. Man will give any. If you touch his bone and you touch his flesh, you touch his physical health, and he'll curse you to your face. He'll curse you to your face. See, that's the accusation. Now watch this. Watch this. If Job does, that meant God was wrong. So guess what happens? He strikes him from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. What does that mean? If he stood, he was in pain with sore boils. How many of y'all have ever had a boil? I don't care what you did, it's sore, it hurts, it's painful. On the bottoms of his feet to the soles of his head, if he stood up, he hurt. If he lay down, he hurt. If he stood on his head, he hurt. He fell down and he took a broken pottery and began to scrape them to try to get some relief from his pain and his suffering. And his wife comes to him and says, why don't you just curse God and die? What was, what was the devil trying to get Job to do? What did he tell God that Job would do? If you take all of his possessions, he will what to your face? He'll curse you to your face. If you touch his body, he'll curse you to your face. What did, what did Job's wife tell him to do? Now watch this. I've heard a lot of preachers. I've even said this because it sounded cool. A lot of preachers said, look here, look here. God said you can, you can do whatever you want, but you can't take his life. And you know why the devil did not take the life? Because he killed all of his children, but he didn't kill his wife. You know why he didn't kill his wife? Because they were one. Because when they became man and wife, they become one flesh, and they are one. And that's why. That's not why. That sounds cool. I was talking with a pastor friend of mine. He began to share the truth of this with me. He said, Malcolm, the devil allowed her to live because if there was anybody on the planet who could, who could, who could convince Job, who could motivate Job, who could, who could influence Job, it was his wife. Listen, Job loved her more than anything else in the world. She was more important to him than anything else in the world. She had more influence on him than anything else in the world, and the devil knew it. And if anybody could talk him into it, 
if anybody could convince him, if anybody could influence him and make him do something he shouldn't do, you say, I don't believe that. Ask Adam. Now, ladies, I hope, I hope you really get this. You have power over your spouse. This is a truth that I don't even think, I don't even think either spouse understands the influence over the other. Ladies, your husband could be respected by anybody on the planet, and it does not matter if he's not respected by you. And Job is sitting here, and the most influential person in his life is telling him to curse God and die. Here's what it seems. Listen, the devil's against him. His friends come up to him. And if you go through, if you go through the book of Job, you'll find out that his friends said, what sin have you committed? Everything you're going through, you, man, you must have done something bad, sure enough. God has taken everything from you. He struck you down with this sickness. God is mad at you. He is angry at you. You have sinned. You have sinned. You have sinned. Now, we know that's not the truth because we know the behind-the-scenes issue. We know what's going on. But in Job's life, he's sitting there. He is in pain. He is in a hole of depression. And his family is against him. His friends are against him. His, his wife is against him. And it also seems like God is against him. Because the Bible says this. I had it printed and I forgot it in my office. The Bible says I look forward and I couldn't find him. I look behind me and I couldn't find him. I look to my left and I can't find him. I look to my right and I can't, I can't find God anywhere. Job was in a situation where it seemed like his family was against him. His God was against him. His friends was against him. The devil was against him. How many of y'all can see Job's distress? Then write this, Job's defense. He began to defend himself. He said, listen, I have not sinned. And he was right too, by the way. He began to declare, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. I know my Redeemer liveth. And he shall stand at the latter day on this earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh I shall see God. He began to stand and declare truth. He began to stand and declare righteousness. But let me tell you something. He got frustrated. He got frustrated. He's human. Why is this happening? Chapter number, I think chapter number three. Either, either the first verse of chapter number 3 or the first verse of chapter number 4, he cursed the day he was born. He never cursed God, but he cursed the day he was born. Chapter 3. I'm talking about he just, why was I even born? If I'm going to go through all this that I'm going through, why was I even born? Everything's against me. The world's against me. How many of y'all can, can see and understand right now that, that he's just not just having a bad day? I mean, this is, this is just unimaginable. But then write this down, number three. I'm going somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going somewhere. 
Don't you see Job's deliverance? Write that down. The last part's the best. Job endured. Satan predicted that Job would get impatient with God and abandon his faith. That did not happen. It is true that Job questioned God's will, but Job did not forsake his faith in the Lord. Job 13, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. God made a covenant with Israel that he would bless them if he would obey his laws. And this led to the idea that if you were truly uh, wealthy and comfortable, that you were blessed by God. But if you were suffering and poor, you were cursed by God. What's the point? This is why the friends were accusing him of being a sinner. This is why the friends were believing. And, and, and by the way, that, that's what brings up truths today. People misquote and misapply the word of God, and they believe if they're doing something right, everything's going to be great. Are you all with me? The book of Job refutes this idea. Job was a righteous man, yet he suffered. God found no evil in him, and even Satan couldn't find any. Job's friends could not prove their accusations. Now, here, here's, here's where we're going to draw it all together right here. I want you to read this with me, the underlying part. Job teaches, everybody read it with me. Job teaches us that God has a higher purpose in suffering than the punishing of sin. That brings us to D, the last one. We see Job's discovery. We see Job's discovery. This is the most important part. This is the most important part. Job's discovery. Turn with me in in, in your Bibles. Turn with me in your Bibles to Job, I believe it's chapter number 42. Turn with me to Job chapter number 42. Job is going through, Job is going through hell on earth, if you will. His his own wife is against him. His his friends are against him. The devil's against him. And it seems like God's against him. He questions his own life. He questions the will of God. He questions why is this happening? What what is what is going on? What what's 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 taking place in all this deal? <clears throat> and before we get to before we get to chapter forty two you got to understand that, that, that Jesus or, or God and Job had a heart-to-heart. And, and, and God says uh, basically this, uh, Job, where was you when I made everything? Job, where was you when I put the stars out in the sky? Job, where was you when I spoke the world into existence? Do you know how this works and do you know how that works? Talking about different things of nature. You really need to go read it. It's really great. It's the three or four or five chapters before. Where was you when I did this? Job, where was you when I did that? Job, where was you? Uh, do you understand all of this stuff? Do you understand? And, and, and you know what Job began to learn? 
that God can do anything he wants to, anytime he wants to, anywhere he wants to, with anyone he wants to, and he doesn't owe anyone an explanation. And he said it even more perfect in his first response. I came into this world naked. I didn't have anything. I was without anything. And I'm going to leave the same way. And I think that's as much uh, as important for us to understand is what, how we got here. Because I think sometimes we cling so much to the things of this world. We cling so much to our possessions. We cling so much to our relationships. And we cling so much to stuff that we forget to see God through all the stuff. And we need to realize we're going to leave this world the same way we came. We're not going to take anything with us. We're not going to take anything to glory. Listen, whatever we do for God is up in heaven. Lay your treasures up in heaven because you can't take this with you when you go. And he said, where was you at, Job? Now watch, watch, watch. 42, verse 1. Are you there? Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. In other words, I had, Lord, I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. Now watch. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me. Here it is. Here it is. Everybody read it. Everybody read verse 5. Here's the message. Here's the, here's, the, here's the kicker. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Now watch. Watch. Say it again. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. Now stop. When I was a little kid. I was set up on a little desk. And a Sunday school teacher taught me this. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And then a teacher taught me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then another one taught me, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds. Then another one taught me, uh, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Somebody say Amen. Where I go, ye know. Say amen. One taught me this. One taught me this. There were shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, for unto you is born this day. I'm feeling God bumps right there. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. You know what? I heard about him. I heard about him. And then what Job said? That something happened. 
something happened. Now that's all that was great. But you need more than that. Watch the last part. Job said, I've heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now. <laughs> Y'all ain't getting it. But now. What do you mean, but now? When now? After the suffering. After the suffering. After the pain. After the tears. After the grief. After the brokenness. After the frustration. After the confusion. After the hurt. After the disappointment. But now. Now. I heard about you. But now I. Seeing is the suffering. Now, you can't tell me Job didn't believe in God before. He's not going to be sacrificing for everybody and himself before. There's no way he could go and say, he, there's no way he could go and say, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. There's no way he could say, I know my Redeemer liveth, and he should stand in the latter day on this earth, and though the skin worms destroy this body of mine, yet in my flesh. I said, there ain't no way he could do all that. But Job said, wow. I can see you like I've never seen you before. Mary and Martha is sitting at a funeral. After sitting at a bedside watching their brother die. Watching their brother gasping for air. Watching their brother struggle for every last breath. Watching their brother, listen, their brother sick unto death. Dying, gasping for air. Broken hearted. Knowing they're fixing to lose it. And what makes it all worse, their favorite friend, their favorite, their favorite person upon the whole earth who they fed when he was in town, who they put up and showed hospitality to, who they saw heal everybody and heal everybody that came to him, heal every sickness, heal the lame people and the blind people and the sick people. And he did it for everybody else, but he's letting my brother die. We've called for him. We've asked him to come because he's a healer. He could do it. He could touch him. If he was just here, I know Jesus could do something about it. I know we wouldn't lose our brother. But he's not here. How many of you ever felt like what you were going through and you cried out to Jesus and he was not there? And then Jesus comes into town. 
Can you imagine? We all like to sit back and look at some of these Bible characters and say, well, that was stupid of them to do that. What would you do? And Martha comes to him and says, if you had been here, my brother had not died. If you'd have just been here, he'd have made it. I know you could do it. I know you're a healer. I know you have power to do this because I've seen you do it before. I've seen you heal blind people. I've seen you heal sick people. If you'd have just been here. If you'd have just been here. Martha, it's okay. It's okay. He's going to be all right. He's going he's to get up. Well, I know he's going to get up at the resurrection. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I am the resurrection. Now watch. What happened? Y'all know the story. Mary came out and blah, 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 blah. We get to the grave. Lazarus come forth. He comes forth. He's alive. Woo! But watch. Seeing a dead dude come out the grave. It's kind of cool. And it is awesome. Really? Come on, y'all. That's all y'all going to give me right there? That's all I got? Have y'all seen a dead guy get up lately? Can you imagine? Lazarus come forth and he floats out. But watch, this is the most important part. As cool as that was and as powerful as that was and as big a truth as that was to see that he was the resurrection, that would have never happened without a death. You see, you could never see an aspect of God that God wants you desperately to see about Himself. There cannot be a resurrection without a... Paul. Let me give you a verse. Let me give you a verse. Watch, listen to this. Listen, I don't even know what time it is. I'm going to just keep preaching until something happens. I'm out already? Not yet. Right here. Almost. I got to do this one right here, right here. Watch this. 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And, and just listen, just look at me, everybody. Just look at me, look, look at me. Watch what Paul says. And God is able. Say amen. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Man, that's great. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye have always have all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. How could Paul say that? How could Paul say that God is able to make all grace abound towards you? How could Paul say? 
How could Paul say that God's got enough grace to get you through this trial? God's got enough grace to get you through this suffering. God's got enough grace to get you through this difficulty. God, God's got enough grace to get you through this tragedy. There's nothing you'll ever face in your life that God's grace can't get you through. How could Paul say that? Because in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says that there was a time when Paul was going through great suffering and great pain. A messenger of Satan to buffet him. A thorn in his flesh that he begged God three times, please take this away. God, please take this away. But God said, I can't. I can't take it away because if I take it away, you'll get lifted up in pride. Because of the abundance of the revelations that I've given you, you'll be lifted up in pride and I won't be able to use you. i got to give you this thorn to keep you humble. But Paul, I want you to know my grace is sufficient for you. My grace will bring you through. My grace will make it bearable. My grace, somebody say amen. And the reason that Paul could go to somebody else and say, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're experiencing. But honey, I'll tell you this right now. God's grace is sufficient. God will bring you through anything. God's grace can bring you through anything because God did it for me. And if he can do it for me, he'll do it for you. Preacher, what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. The suffering that you're experiencing right now, God can bring you through. But you need to understand something. God wants you to see something about Him that you will never be able to see without the suffering. I don't like it. I don't like being depressed. I don't like being discouraged. I don't like being down. I don't like being in that hole. I don't like pain. I don't like hurting. I don't like physical pain. I don't like none of that. But boy, I do like seeing Him. Preacher, what I need to do? Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Be patient. The thought of going through the fire is not fun. But I guarantee you this when they looked up and saw that king, it was worth it. Can we pray? Let's all stand. Let's pray. I didn't mean to go long. It's because I didn't have a clock. Lord, we don't really have a big crowd tonight. But I, I, I really honestly believe who's here is who needed to be here. I believe in divine appointments. I believe all over this building there's folks that's going through stuff they just don't understand. And God, I pray that you'll please give them grace tonight. Give them grace to endure. Give them grace to be patient. Give them grace to hold on. Help us to trust you. Even when we can't see you. Help us to trust you. Lord, that's all I'm going to ask. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people say it.